Welcome to Not Your Daughter's Witchcraft, podcast hosted by me, Lilith Amberley. If you're exploring witchcraft for something beyond the aesthetic, if some social media platforms make you cringe and say, that's not me, if you're looking to build a practice that enhances your life, then you, my friend, are in the right place. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Hey there, my friend. Welcome to this week's episode of Not Your Daughter's Witchcraft. So I have to get real here for a minute. When I recorded the first episode of this podcast less than two months ago, I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, like not a freaking clue. I took one short online course, set my magic in motion, and just dived right in. Yesterday, this podcast reached over 1,100 downloads and ranked in the top 20 search for witchcraft on Apple Podcasts, which kind of blows my mind. So thank you so much for listening. This podcast was created with you in mind. It's about you, and I want to make sure that you are always a part of it. So right now, starting today, I'm launching a brand new segment to each episode, and I'm calling it The Witch Is In. This is your opportunity to submit your witchcraft questions and have them answered by me on the podcast. All you need to do is go to the link that's in the show notes. It's witchlifeacademy.lilithamberley.com forward slash podcast dash questions. So I know that's a long link. You don't need to remember it. Just go to the show notes. I promise that I'm going to do my best to answer all of your questions. And I also promise that if I don't know the answer, I'm going to tell you that too. So let's get started. I had three questions come in on the first day that I announced this segment. I ended up revising this entire episode to make sure that I was able to get started right away. The first question that I received came from Teresa. They wrote, I'm new at all this and I have been learning for the past four months. I had someone ask me to do a group channeling. I had no clue as to how, but I lent in my energy to help. And so after we began, I got this heavy feeling all over my body like a weight. It wasn't scary and it didn't hurt, but I was wondering if this is natural. And whenever I call in a goddess, it also happens. Any help would be much appreciated. I'm so glad I found your page. Blessed be and thank you. First, Teresa, thank you. Thank you so much for finding my page. I'm glad that you did. And blessed be to you as well. So there's a few things here, and I want to start by saying right up front, I do not channel spirits. I work with spirits, but I don't channel them in the traditional way that you think of channeling. In other words, getting in touch with the spirit and having them speak through me or give a message to someone else through me. However, I do have some thoughts for this heavy feeling that you're experiencing. First, make sure that you know how your body reacts to this work. When I'm working with spirits, so not channeling them, but working with them, I need to make sure that I'm not hungry and that I'm well hydrated. Otherwise, it can actually make me feel a little bit sick. For other people, they feel like they need to fast before a ritual that involves spirit work. And you might hear that by doing this, the connection and the messages are stronger. Well, that may be, but I can't do that because it makes me physically ill. I also don't do this work if I've been consuming alcohol. So experiment a little bit with things like the timing. You know, is this better or worse first thing in the morning or before you go to bed at night on a full stomach, on an empty stomach? And just see if any of those changes to your physical routine and your physical actions have any impact on this. So the second thing that I want to mention, because you said this also happens whenever you call in a goddess, is relationships. I'm a huge fan of being in right relationship with the spirits that we work with, whether it's a deity, an ancestor, a familiar, or any other spirit. 
One of the simplest things that you can do to help with that relationship is to give regular offerings. This is something that I do almost daily with those spirits that I work with. So that's the second thing, making sure that you are in relationship with the spirits that you're working with. And the third thing that came to mind is around protection. And by this, I mean, when you're doing this kind of work, are you protecting yourself from perhaps the influence of other spirits that you are not trying to channel and that you're not trying to work with? So I'm not a fan of needing to cast a circle every time I do something. In fact, I rarely do because I feel like, you know, it's putting a barrier between myself and the spirit world. I mean, that's what protective circle does. And if I want to have more communication with that spirit world, I like to leave the door open. And that's a very personal decision. But in this case, if you feel that you're having these physical symptoms and you don't feel well, you might consider casting a protective circle if you're not doing that already. You might also take the opportunity to call upon those spirits that you're already in relationship with to accompany you when you're trying to connect with other spirits. The last thing that I want to do is commend you for just putting yourself out there and getting into the work. We learn knowledge by absorbing content. We become skilled by doing. Thank you again, Teresa, for reaching out. It was great to hear from you. Interestingly, the second two questions that I received were very similar. So I'm going to address them together. One was from Susan and one was from Patty. Both questions were about forgiveness. One was asking when their children would forgive them and come back into their life. The second was more specifically asking about what kind of spell I might suggest to get someone to forgive them for something. First, I wish so much that I could tell you that your children are going to forgive you and when. I have four children of my own, so I know how whatever is going on must be breaking your heart. Unfortunately, I can't tell you that because I don't know. But here's what I can tell you. Forgiveness is up to them, not you. All we can do is apologize for our actions if warranted, offer amends if appropriate, and forgive ourselves. The rest is up to them. Now, I don't know your situation. I don't know what happened. I don't know you at all. But one thing that is coming to mind, and this may or may not apply, is apologizing if warranted. Sometimes as we go through life, we make decisions for ourselves that we believe to be the best decisions for ourselves. There are other people in our life that don't agree with those decisions, and we feel like we need to apologize for them. You don't. Other people don't have to agree with your decisions. And if those decisions aren't affecting them, you really don't need to apologize for them. Again, this may or may not have anything to do with your situation, but I felt like I needed to say that. As far as a spell goes, casting a spell to get someone to forgive you, I'm afraid may not bring you the closure that you're looking for. Now, I am not one of those witches who will not use magical influence to get me what I want because I will. But I want to make sure that what I get is genuine and it's long lasting. And a spell to have someone forgive me isn't going to feel like genuine forgiveness to me. So instead of an outright spell for forgiveness, I might try using elemental energy to help me through the situation. 
For example, if I'm planning to have a conversation with the person that I want forgiveness from and I'm worried about how that communication might come across or I worry about being misunderstood somehow, I might call on air to help me with clear communication. Water is associated with our emotions. Will this situation call for more emotion? Or do I need the stability and support of Mama Earth to help me through this? The greatest influence that we're ever going to have as a witch is on ourselves. So again, I would be calling in the energy that's going to help me through the situation, that's going to give me the best chances of having successful communication and making the experience with that other person successful. And in this case, success, you're defining as forgiveness. So I hope that you both find what you are looking for. And thank you so much for reaching out. Now for today's episode, I'm talking all about my daily practice. So is developing and maintaining a daily practice something that you struggle with? Because I really did when I first got started. And I think sometimes we make this way more complicated than it needs to be. So I think sometimes when we begin a witchcraft practice, we go in with all of these preconceived ideas of what that looks like. We might imagine ourselves getting in ritual garments and having a dozen candles lit and having some big elaborate ritual that we're going to perform. We think we're going to be casting spells every day for everything and we will live magically ever after. Well, that's not reality, not for me anyway. You'll also hear people say that being a witch is a way of life, and it is, but it's not always cauldrons and wearing black. Well, okay, it's a lot of black, and I do own a few cauldrons, but on the daily, most of them are just collecting dust. I don't have a lot of time for my spiritual practice, and I don't have a lot of time to practice witchcraft, but I do have regular practices that keep my magical battery charged. My commitment to a daily practice is in the morning, five days out of seven. Sometimes it ends up being every day, sometimes it's three out of seven, but I aim for Monday through Friday. So what does that look like? For me, the first thing that I do, and maybe the most important, is making my cup of coffee. And I kind of make a big deal out of it. About two years ago, I went out and I bought myself an espresso machine. And now I make myself a fresh cup of cappuccino every morning, and it tastes magical. But there's a secret, and you want to know what it is? It's not buying the most expensive beans or finding a luxury brand of beans. It's finding beans that have been freshly roasted within the last few days. So I found a local coffee roaster that delivers, which has been amazing. So you want to use those beans a few days after they've been roasted, and within about two weeks, that's when they are going to make you the very best cup. So that's the non-magical secret freshly roasted beans. (laughs) So after I get my coffee, I bring it to my bedroom and I sit down in front of my altar space. My altar space is a small table with a nice meditation pillow that my daughter bought for me a few years ago. This is my everyday spiritual space. It may or may not be where I do specific spells, but spells aren't part of my normal daily practice. I light a candle and I sit down with my cup of coffee and I just sit there for a few minutes. Next comes the most important piece of my practice. So the actual most important piece, not the coffee. And that's my offering. If I get nothing else done with my practice, I do this every day. I use incense as an offering to all of the spirits that I have a relationship with. 
my deities, my ancestor guides, and other spirit guides. This is a non-negotiable for me, and I do it every single day. I keep it simple to one or two different types of incense that I know are acceptable to those spirits that I'm working with. So it's important to know what offerings your spirit allies want and enjoy. It's not just about the intent. Imagine something that you really don't care for. For me, that's black licorice. That's the best example that I can give. I really, really don't like it. So now imagine if someone gave you that gift that you don't really like on a daily basis or a regular basis for weeks or months or years on end because they couldn't be bothered to take the time to get to know you and learn the things that you like and the things that you don't like. Would you enjoy it? The spirits that you work with are no different. There are going to be offerings that they like and there's going to be offerings that they don't. Some might even be repulsive to them, maybe even more so than my black licorice, if that's possible. So how do you know what they like? If the spirit is well-known like a deity, look to literature and history. Is there frequent mention of a certain offering? The other thing you can do is ask them. When you're in communication with them, just ask them what kind of offering they'd like. You also need to know that it's okay for you to say no if it's not something that you want to give or something that you want to give routinely. If it's something that you're going to be doing every single day, don't agree to something that's elaborate and complex. I keep those more complex offerings limited. I offer eggs and honey to Hecate on the dark moon, which is once a month and much more doable. That's not something that I would agree to do every single day. That's why I like my incense for my daily offering. It's simple. So after lighting my incense and saying a word or two of thanks and offering, I do a short meditation and an energetic exercise. I start with some relaxation breathing, and then I spend probably about five minutes or so releasing my thoughts. So last week in episode nine, I gave you a lot of tips and tricks to help with meditation, and I also gave you access to a free guided meditation resource if you need it. All you have to do is sign up for my VIP list if you're not already on it to get that a free recorded meditation. So once I clear my mind, I spend a few minutes activating my central energy channel, which runs from your crown chakra to your root chakra. I think of it like recharging my magical battery. I then might also work for a few minutes on balancing the elemental energies in myself. After that, I pull my card of the day. This is usually not the time that I do a full reading for myself. If I need a full reading for something, then I schedule time to do that because it takes me longer than the few minutes that I usually devote to this part of my daily practice. After my card draw, I journal for a few minutes about the card and about anything else that might have popped up during my meditation. After that, I blow out the candle and leave the altar to go take my dogs out. So while it might sound like my morning practice is over, I actually finish up when I'm outside with my dogs. I greet the day and everything around me out loud. The sky, the earth, the river, the forests, the animals, and I, again, thank all of my spirit allies for walking by my side. And that's it for most mornings. Now, this can take as long as an hour or more if I want to spend that much time on it, or it can take 20 minutes, minus preparing the coffee. Or I may just need, end up lighting the incense, which takes like 10 seconds. Now, evenings for me are a lot more hectic. And I have trouble sticking to a routine evening practice. I really want to follow Byron Ballard's lead 
and begin taking the time at dusk to pay respect to those who departed this life. Byron Ballard is a village witch who lives in Asheville. I follow her on social media. Um, I, I love her. I love um, reading what she has to say. I've read all of her books. She is amazing. And this is something that she does at dusk every day. And I would really like to do it. I just need to make myself do it. It's just hard for me to break away in the evenings. But I do think it's a beautiful practice. And I'm going to try harder to make that happen. So you might be wondering, when do I practice the magic? When do I do the witchcraft? Well, I schedule it, as in actually putting it on my calendar. Dark moons are usually dedicated to the goddess Hecate and divination for the upcoming month. On Thursdays, I dedicate some time to prosperity magic. Why Thursdays? Because Thursday is the day of Jupiter. I use the phases of the moon to time my spells. I spend extra time on most Friday mornings dedicated to ancestral repair work. So the daily routine is the basis of my practice. And even if I do nothing else, it helps keep me connected to my spiritual work. My own experience with magic is that it's not like learning how to ride a bike. While you don't really forget how to do the magic, for me, I need to stay connected to my power through inner work and through my relationship with spirits. My daily practice ensures that I'm always ready to do whatever it is that I need to do. So use some of these tips. Take what you want of my own spiritual practice, my own daily practice. Make it your own. I think the important thing is just keep it simple and do something that works for you that you can do consistently. Now, before you go, I want to make sure that we stay connected. So go ahead, join my VIP list. It's witchlifeacademy.lilithamberley.com forward slash resources. The link will be in the show notes. And I want you to join my VIP list because when you do, you're going to have access to all of my free resources, the ones that are there now and the ones that I publish in the future. You're also going to have access to any upcoming offers, programs, courses, etc. that are going to come out. So I don't want you to miss that. I want to make sure that we stay connected. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, please go ahead and give the show a rating. That's so important, especially for newer podcasts. I would really, really appreciate that. Until next time, I hope you have a most wonderful and magical day.